Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, thank you oh so much for the many things you've already given us this day. And now the blessed opportunity once again to get back into your word. Help us now as we continue our studies. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Continuing our Exploring the Word series in the book of Acts, we'll pick it back up here in Acts chapter 22. And the setting is that Paul has been arrested and the chief captain is taking him from a, a group of folks that were wanting to kill him and have arrested him and taken him to the castle. And on the way, Paul asked him, can you let me speak to these people before you take me on inside? So while he was on the stairs, as it says in Acts 21, verse 40, and when he had given him license or permission to speak, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he, made, he spake unto them in the Hebrew language, saying, in chapter 22, Men, brethren, father, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence and he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia. I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day." And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering unto prisons both men and women. This way, speaking of the Christian way, followers of Jesus Christ. As also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. Seeking other Christians. They had taken so many in Jerusalem in that area that Paul decided to go see if he could hunt down some more. As he's testifying here to what actually happened to him on his journey there on that road to Damascus to go get more, to bring them back to be tortured and even killed horribly ways in horrible ways. Verse 6, and it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with him saw indeed the light, and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to, the, to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise, and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. Paul had the perfect reaction there. He humbled himself and said, what shall I do, Lord? Which was the perfect response for him. 
Verse 11, And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance, and saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And we know all through the book of Acts, all the way up to this point, we see that journey of Paul going to all those various areas. And they gave him audience unto this word, and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. So they were totally against him. Even after he witness to them that he had been converted on the road to Damascus and that he had sought to help folks, not hurt folks, like he was doing, yet they felt like he needed to be taken away and killed. Verse 23, And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging. Examined by a scourging is basically a torturous event because the scourging is a whipping. And many times they would use, like they used on the Lord, a cat of nine tails. It was a short-handled whip with strips of leather. And on the tips of those strips of leather, they would tie jagged, hunks of glass or metal or something, and that's what they would whip someone with. And when they strike them, it would pierce the skin and tear holes in them. A horrible, torturous device to use on someone, or they would just use a, a basic whip. But here they wanted to beat him to the point that he would confess to what the truth was, what they thought the truth was, of why these folks were so upset with him. The chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? See, earlier he told the Jews that he was Jewish, and now he's telling the Romans that he's Roman, because he was. He was both. 
He has his Roman citizenship. But his bloodline was Jewish. And he was born and had that Roman citizenship because his father was a Roman. When the centurion heard that, when he heard that they had taken a Roman and were about to beat him without having a trial, which was totally against the Roman law, and he would have been held accountable for that by the higher-ups. So he got scared. Verse 26, When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what thou doest, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, Tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, Yea. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I freedom. And Paul said, But I was free born. Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. He wouldn't even lawful to, to tie him up or bound him with chains or anything else without proper trial and proper laws to be in fulfilled. Verse 30, on the, mor- on the morrow, because he would have known the certainty whereof he was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. So the chief captain decides, well, let's just have a meeting here. So he brings in the chief priests and sets Paul by them and said, let's sort this out, find out what is actually going on. Chapter 23. And Paul earnestly beholding the councils, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. He didn't like hearing Paul say that because in his eyes, Paul had not done that. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. For sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I wist not, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. So Paul didn't know he was high priest. So he kind of wondered, why didn't Paul know that this man was a high priest? Because if he was a high priest, he was supposed to have been dressed in the way that presented himself as a high priest. But he wasn't in the temple. He wasn't in the synagogue. He wasn't doing normal duties of a high priest at that time. He was called in with the other chief priests to, to interview Paul. So Paul didn't know he was a high priest. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said that against him. Because, as he quoted, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. Now, does this mean you can't speak evil of any of your political leaders? No, that's not what it's talking about at all. This is the religious leaders. The rulers of the people being the Sanhedrin, the the priests, and so forth. The high priests especially. Not supposed to speak evil of the religious leaders. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, 
he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. And when he had so said, there arose a decision between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. Because you had these two major, or the two greater of the religious groups. There was others, but the two biggest ones were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But they didn't agree on the interpretation of the Old Testament. Verse 8, For the Sadducees say there that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees' part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man. But if a spirit or an angel hath spoken to him, let us not fight against God. So the Pharisees were beginning to believe a little bit and be cautious, saying that if there is some truth to what Paul's saying, we're going to be in the wrong going after this man. But with the Sadducees not even believing that there is a spirit, thinking it, well, Paul just imagined all this stuff, they were contrary to them. And when there arose a great decision, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him into the castle. So he could see there was not going to be any settling of this conflict at that time. So the chief captain said, all right, forget it. They're not going to settle this. Go get him, bring him out of there before they kill him. Verse 11, And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. That was a very important thing that was being told him there. Rome, going all the way to Rome and being able to witness about the Lord to the others around there. And we know the journey starts from here. He winds up going on quite the journey that we'll be reading about as we go further in here. And he does wind up in Rome. That's where he spent his last days was in Rome. And all through that, he was being able to be put in front of various magistrates and leaders and guards and Roman soldiers and to testify to them and also to people along that journey going all the way to Rome. And of course, while in Rome, while in Rome, he wasn't bound in chains in a prison. He actually had his own house that they, he was basically under house arrest in Rome and could have visitors come and go. And he had that kind of liberty there while he was in house arrest in Rome, all the way up to the point where they wind up killing him later, but we'll get into that as we go further. But as we continue here in verse 12. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. We don't have much information on these. It was about 40 of them, as it tells. And... 
we see that they made a couple of attempts, but they failed. So did they keep this vow that they made and die starving to death? I dare say not. But it's interesting that they had made a vow. We won't eat or drink till we kill him. And there were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now, therefore, ye with the council signify to the chief captain that he bring him down unto you tomorrow to, as though ye would inquire something more perfectly concerning him. And we, or even he come near, are ready to kill him. And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, Paul's sister's son, otherwise Paul's nephew, heard this conspiracy, heard what they had planned. He went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul, the prisoner, called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee, who hath something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him, What is that thou hast to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul tomorrow into the council as though they would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly. But do not thou yield unto them, for there lie in wait for him of them more than forty men, which have bound themselves with an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now are they ready, looking for a promise from thee. So the chief captain then let the young man depart and charged him, See thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things to me. And he called on him two centurions, saying, Make ready two hundred soldiers. Two hundred soldiers. A centurion is someone who is over charge of one hundred soldiers, because that's the centa means one hundred. So you have these two hundred soldiers. So he's not messing around now. He's got 200 soldiers to protect Paul. Make ready 200 soldiers to go to Caesarea and horsemen three score and ten and spearmen 200 at the third hour of the night. So a whole army. And provide them beasts that they may set Paul on and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. Now he's bumping it on up the chain of command. And he wrote a letter after this manner, Claudius Lysias, unto the most excellent governor Felix, sendeth greeting. This man was taken of the Jews and should have been killed of them. Then came I with an army and rescued him, having understood that he was a Roman. So see, this letter kind of makes him look like a hero. And when I would have known the cause wherefore they accused him, I brought him forth into, thy, into their counsel, whom I perceived to be accused of questions of their law, 
but to have nothing laid to him to his charge worthy of death or of bonds. And when it was told me how that the Jews laid wait for the man, I sent straightway to thee and gave commandment to his accusers also to say before thee what they had against him. Farewell. So like I said, this little note going to Felix makes Claudius sound like he's a a hero coming to rescue a a Roman. He left out the whole part that I took him and was fixing to beat him because I thought he was a troublemaker and all that. So he just hit the high spots there that made him look good. Then the soldiers, as it was commanded them, took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatris. On the morrow they left the horsemen to go with him and returned to the castle who when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle to the governor, presented Paul also before him. And when the governor had read the letter, he asked of what province he was. And when he understood that he was of Cilicia, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accusers are also come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. Still under arrest, you might say, but not bound in chains, looking after him till they can figure out what's going on. All right, let's roll right on into 24. And after five days, Ananias, the high priest, ascended with the elders and with a certain orator named Tarullus, who informed the governor against Paul. And when he was called forth, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Seeing that by thee we enjoy great quietness, and that very worthy deeds are done unto this nation by thy providence. Now he's sort of trying to befriend this Roman leader as if, Oh, well, you have really done a lot for us, and we come humbly to you. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness, notwithstanding that I be not further tedious unto thee, I pray thee that thou wouldest hear us of thy clemency a few words. He really is talking like a lawyer. It's for we have found this man a pestilent fellow, and a mover of sedition among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, who also have gone about to profane the temple. Now these are lies, false accusations going against him. Whom we took and would have judged according to our law. But the chief captain, Lysias, came upon us and with great violence took him away out of our hands. Well, no great violence. They just went down and took him away before they were going to kill him. So once again, they're just lying. False accusations, false reports over and over. Verse 8, Commanding his accusers to come unto thee by examining of whom thyself mayest take knowledge of all these things whereof we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, saying that these things were so, Then Paul, after that the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered 
For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because thou that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. And they neither found me in the temple. Now he's telling him the truth, what really happened. And they neither found me in the temple, disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogues, nor in the city. Neither can they prove the things whereof they now accuse me. Basically saying, this fellow is a liar and everything he just said is a lie. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings, whereupon certain Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with multitude nor with tumult, who ought to have been here before thee and object if they had aught against me. Or else let these same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council. Like, my accusers are not here. There's no eyewitnesses who can say I did anything wrong. These folks that are right here telling you these lies, they can't even make any accurate accusation against him that they can prove. Verse 24, Except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias the chief captain shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. So they're treating Paul pretty well through all this so far. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith of Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient session, I will call for thee. He hoped also for money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Proselytus Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. So he wanted to make it look like that he was keeping Paul bound. So when this other fellow shows up, he can say, yeah, we got him all bound up here. We really got him in captivity. But really, he was at liberty at his own house. 
But as this continues, you see this further reaction of, of Festus and Felix, but we are out of time. We'll pick it back up in chapter 25 next. But it's interesting how we see these false accusers rising up because that's the only thing they can do against Paul because he hadn't done anything that was against the law, not even against the Jewish law, and yet they hated him because he was a follower of Jesus Christ. So they have to falsely accuse him because he's only doing good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the, the word that we have been able to study here. Help us to truly understand it and apply it in the right way. See the things of the history so that we can learn from history and be able to use it properly. We thank you oh so much for it as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.